Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Well, kind of coming off on the back of what we were speaking of last, last week about this, coming to this place of intimacy in Christ, intimacy with the Holy Ghost, intimacy with the Father, amen. This is that place, this is that time where we will, we will learn that he is faithful. You wanna know if God is a faithful God, you're gonna have to get into that place of intimacy with him. This is where we'll learn that he is faithful, that he'll never let you down, that every single promise, church, and I'm telling you, not just one or two of them, I'm saying every single promise that the Lord has, has written in his word and he's stamped upon your heart, I will guarantee you they'll come to, they'll come to fruition. And I don't mean just some of the times, I mean, every time, but you're going to have to come to this place to where we get intimate. Amen. We have to come to that place to get intimate. This is, this is, this alone, I'm telling you alone, we can, we can hand our hat on this when it, in regards to faith. I mean, anything that this word says, anything that's been stamped in this word, anything that's been printed in this word, anything by the logos or the rhema word of God that, that he has spoken even directly into our hearts. I'm telling you, these things will be done. They can be, and they will be accomplished in our lives. As, as a little saying we say back in Texas, you can bet the farm on it. Well, I mean, you can bet all you have. You can bet the greatest thing you have on it. You can bet that it will be done. It's a done deal, church. It's a done deal. Why? Because he has said it. He has said it. Amen. But, but there is a catch. There is a weak catch that comes to anything in, in serving God or anything in believing God. There's, there's one thing, there's one catch that comes into place that we need to grab a hold of, that we need to understand what it is. You say, what is that? We can't have any doubt. We can't have any doubt. We can't have any doubts. We gotta allow faith to move forward in everything that we do. When we, when we are believing God, when we are stepping out in faith, faith doesn't step out and then have a little bit of doubt on the side, amen? Faith steps out and it extinguishes, it deposes, it, it puts under, under its feet any and all things that, that are rising up against faith, against what we're trying to believe God for, amen? We have to be believers, amen? That's, isn't that why we're called believers? Because we believe God, we believe what the word of God says. We need, we need to stand in this position where we're believing him. I mean, we just can't go trying things, amen? So, so much of the church says, oh, I'm just gonna go try that faith message. I'm just gonna go try that healing thing. I'm gonna go try these things and see if it works out for me. And I'm telling you, it will not work for you 100% of the time. It will not work. It will not work when we try things. We can't just go try it, amen, and say, well, I'll go on up there and see if, if I can get healed. And, and maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I'm telling you, these things won't happen. They won't come to fruition. In your life. When we are standing in faith for something, we are believing God for something, you are going to have to believe him for it. That means believing 100%, not allowing doubt, not allowing unbelief to rise up in your heart, because I'm telling you, it will defeat you every time. Doubt and unbelief is the antithesis of faith. It is, it is what will destroy your faith. It will stop faith. It opposes faith every time. I'm telling you, it, don't take a, it doesn't take a mountain of doubt and unbelief. All it takes is a little pinch of it, and I'm telling you, it will stop you believing God. It will stop you from believing God in everything you're doing. See, see this, this, is, this is that place where we were talking about last week in Matthew 9, right? Where, where when, the, when the man came up with the, hold, holding his sick child in his hand, came up to the feet of Jesus, says, if, if, you, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. If you can do something for us, have compassion. And Jesus looks at him and says, what do you mean if? What, what do you mean if? What do you mean coming to me with an if? I mean, if you come, he says, if you believe, 
all things are possible. Not, not if. Now, if you believe that all things are possible, you shall have them. Amen, church? We, we can't come to God with ifs. we got to come to him knowing he is a supplier of all of our needs. Amen? He is our healer. He is our provider. He provides everything we need, but we got to know those things and grab a hold of them and not allow, allow doubt and unbelief to grab a hold and, and, and relieve uh, faith from us. Amen? I'm trying Let's go, let's go to Romans here. I want to go to Romans chapter 4. Let's talk a little bit about faith. Amen. These are, these are some scriptures that we all know well in this church. Amen. But uh, we're going to go over them again. You say, man, I've heard these a million times. Well, you're going to hear them a million and one times. Amen. We're going we're to encourage our faith a little bit today. So in uh, Romans chapter 4 verse 1 it says, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he, would have, he, would, uh, he, he hath whereof to glory of, but not before God. Listen, Abraham is called the father of our faith. How many of y'all know that? Abraham is called the father of our faith. Now listen, Abraham wasn't perfect. Amen. He, he was the father of our faith, but Abraham was not perfect in, in everything that he did. Now, now, he believed God and it was counted to righteousness to him, but, but he was not perfect in his works of faith. He was not perfect in everything that he did. Now, now listen, church, he was an honorable man. He was an honorable man. I can't wait to get uh, up into heaven and get to meet Abraham and, and, and get to hear you know, face to face some of these things that were taking place in his life. He, but he was an honorable man, but he did, some, he did some really dumb things. Amen. Why? Because doubt and unbelief encroached in his life. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, well, not once, but twice. Not once, but twice. He got before the governors and he went to his wife and he said, man, honey, Sarah, you are way too beautiful. And see, if they know, if they know that you're my wife, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me because they're going to want to take you for yourself. So, so what are you going to do? When you go up and we meet these people, tell them you're my sister. Tell her you're my sister. And he put her into the opportunity of making a bad mistake twice. Why? Because he was in fear. He allowed, he allowed fear. He allowed un, unbelief. He let doubt to come up on the inside that he would lose his life, amen, if, he, if people knew that, that he was his wife. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, these things are crazy. But, but on the flip side of that, Abraham did some amazing things regarding faith. He did some amazing things. One of the most favorite things I like to talk about is, is Abraham getting his name changed, amen. His name was his name was. Abram, the, the exalted father, amen? And God, God called him uh, Abraham. He said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name to the father of many nations. I'm going to call your name Abraham. And, and so Abraham comes out of the tent and he's all fired up, has the glory of God on him. He's been pressing him with the things of God. God just told him his, you know, his descendants are going to be as, as, as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the, as the dust upon the ground. He walks out and some of, his, some of his servants, some of the people that work for him came up to him and said, hey, 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 exalted father, hey, Abraham, Abram, what, what would you have us to do today? You want us to go feed the sheep? You want us to go, you know, cut some hay? You want us to go get on the tractor? What do you want us to do today? And he goes, oh, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He goes, my name is not exalted father anymore. My name is father of many nations. My name is Abraham. I am the father of many nations. Church, he didn't have one son at this time. There wasn't one son accredited to his name. But what did he do? He stepped out in faith. Why? Because he believed God. He believed God. He believed God. He believed God more than the circumstances that were coming up against him. He believed God more than what things may look like in his life. He believed God. And I'm telling you, it was counted unto righteousness to him. In verse 3, he says, so what, so what say the scriptures? 
Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham, it wasn't his works, church. It wasn't the works that he did that made him righteous. It wasn't, it wasn't now I'm a, everyone, y'all call me Abraham. That's not what made him righteous. No, it was that he believed God. And when you believe God, there will be a work of faith that comes on the backside of it. There will be a work of faith that comes out on the backside of this. See, see Paul in Romans here, he, he's, he's making the point to the Roman church here. He's not trying to say that, listen, guys, yeah, there, there are some great works that we do. There's great works we do as Christians, amen? But it's a product of what we believe. You know, works will not bring us into the place of righteousness. Faith, believing God brings you into righteousness and then great works will come out on the backside of the things that you believe. And he was trying to make this point to those guys that they need to take a hold of things by faith. He says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto righteousness to him. He goes, now unto him, now unto him that works is reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. I like this better in the Amplified here. It says, now, now to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor or at a gift, but an obligation, something owed to him. Listen, church, when we, when we go out and we think that our works, when we, when we go and try to do a great work that, and we come to that position, we think God owes us something for the things that we're doing. I'm telling you, you've gotten yourself in a really bad position. You've gotten yourself in a really bad position. Listen, church, God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. You want to know who the debtor is? The debtor is each and every one of us that have received from him. We are the debtors unto him. I'm telling you, we, we, uh, we owe a debt that cannot be paid to Jesus himself. God himself that came down to this land for each and every one. We owe a debt to him. He doesn't owe us a debt. He doesn't owe us a debt because we went to church. He doesn't owe us a debt because we gave in the offering. He doesn't, give a, he doesn't owe us a debt because we confessed something 50 times in one day. He doesn't owe us anything. Amen. No, we, we owe him something. We, we owe the kingdom something. We we owe the Father. We owe the Son. We owe the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, church, just like Pastor Christopher Alam was saying a couple weeks ago, church, there's, there's people, there's things in this world that, that we owe, that we are indebted to in this world for, for who we are and what, and, and what we've become in our life. I'm telling you, even myself, I, I have a handful of people that I owe where I'm standing right now as a minister and then the type of man I am today. I owe this to people that have been pressing in. One of them sitting over here on the front row, I'm telling you, my wife, when I was when I was a heathen pushing back against everything in our life, I'm telling you, she was the one pressing in for me. She was the one believing God for me. She was, she was pressing in for the things of God. I'm telling you, church, we need to, we need to analyze those things. We, we need to start seeing the debts that we owed out to other people who we owe until the Father himself instead of thinking everyone owes us something. Because I'm telling you, church, the world owes you nothing. Church owes you nothing. Jesus, he, he owes you nothing. Amen. We owe a great debt. We owe a great debt unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm telling you, we need, we need to get some of these things straight back in, what, in the things that we're believing. We need, to, we need to come back to the foundation of what actually the faith message is so we can start standing honorably in front of the, in front of the congregations and preaching the word of God honorably before, before the throne of God, amen, and coming to him how he desires us to come to him, not, not come to him expecting Amen. Now we, we come expecting, but not coming that he, that he, that we deserve these things. Amen. Just because we've arrived or because we, because we confess something in our life. Amen. Because that's not the way things work. That is not the way things work. Let's jump over. Let's jump over here to, uh, let's jump over here to verse 17 here. 
Let's jump to verse 17. It says, as it is written. Now, I'm going to go up to verse 16. It says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be of grace. That, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. He, Paul's still pointing this out. The Holy Ghost speaking through Paul saying, therefore, it is a faith. It's, therefore, it's of something, a faith, a, the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There, there it is, is for faith that what you're believing for, why? So that it can be by grace. So it can be a free gift given to you, not something that you worked for. See, when you go, when you go to a job and you, and you do some menial labor or you sit there and type on the computer or you do whatever you do at your job place, I'm telling you, you get, you get a paycheck for that. You earned that paycheck. Amen. But see, but see God freely, he poured out grace upon his people. He, called, he poured out grace upon the land. Amen. So that, so that we could all receive it by grace. And so we could grab a hold of it by faith. Not something that we had to work for it. And then it becomes a debt to us. Amen. Or a debt for us. It, it is something that he poured out by grace. How many of y'all know that, that the Lord himself, that the, the scriptures say that God so loved the world. Amen. He loved the world. He loved the world. So he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not, not the works that we do, but, but whosoever believes on him. Amen. And when we believe on him, then we get everlasting life. And then we'll have some works that display the everlasting life that is dwelling on the inside of each and every one of us. He says, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only them which, which are of the law, but to, but to them which are also of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He goes, as it is written, he goes, I have made thee the father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Illustrating the faith of Abraham here, illustrating the faith of Abraham here, it says, it says that, that God made him the father of many nations. He made him the many, uh, father of many nations at 75 years old, not having a child to him. He says, you are the father of many nations. Now, now how did this come to pass? How did he believe this? Because he looked at God. He trusted God. He had such a faith in God that he believed that whatsoever was dead, God could raise back to life. Even what, what Pastor Kimberly was talking about. You know, Abraham even brought his son up to Mount Moriah. He brought him up to Mount Moriah to lay him on the altar. Why? Because he had no doubt. He said, he said even if this boy dies, this, he this is, this is where the promise is coming through. God will raise him from the dead. There's no way he can die. Why? Because God can, can speak to those things that be not as though they were. He can give life back into the things that are dead. He can, he can bring life to the things that are dead. Amen. I'm telling you, these things are powerful. These are powerful, church. How many of y'all know that we, are just, that we are just like our Father? We are made in His likeness and His image. Oh, man, that's That's heresy. We're, we're made in the likeness and the image of our Father. And so this is what, this is what Hebrews 4.12 was talking about when it's talking about the Word, that the Word is living, that it's powerful, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, you know the, a better translation of that is a two-mouthed sword. Amen? Why is that? Because when God speaks forth the Word and we come into agreement and we speak that Word of God, it becomes a two-edged or a two-mouthed sword going forth to, to perform everything that it's sent towards. 
Amen. There's nothing that when we speak forth in confirmation with what, with what God is speaking, that it can't be done in your life. Amen. You say, uh, well, what does that mean? I'm telling you, anything that you believe, anything that, that the scripture can, can, that you can grab a hold of in the scripture and begin to speak those things in your life, they will come to pass. But see, we got we to gotta start bringing life into the dead things. Amen. We, we got to start looking at things and calling them the things that be not as though they were. Amen. See, when you, when you get called into ministry, when you get a word given to you, when you get called into the business place, when you when there's different callings that upon your life, those things are in non-existence. When God, when God gives you, when he places that desire in your heart, you've got to begin to speak those things out. You've got to speak the life of God out to give life to that destiny, to give life to that calling that's upon you. Why? Because, because it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen just because you got the word. It's not going to happen just because you have the desire in your heart. It's not just going to happen because it's something you want to do. No, it's something you're going to have to get in line with the word of God, align with God himself, and be a a two-edged, double-mouthed sword going forth, releasing the word of God and allowing it to perform everything which it's sent to accomplish. Amen. Everything that it's sent to accomplish. He says, who against hope, in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope? that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so, so that thou shall, so shall thy seed be. So shall thy seed be, or so numberless your descendants should be. It says even, even, even against the hope, all natural human hope, he goes, he had hope. He had a confident expectations that everything that God spoke will come to pass. Everything that he has spoken will come to pass. It doesn't matter what things look like. It doesn't matter where, what, where things are going, going on around us. It will be done. Why? Because God has said these things. You know, listen, I, you know, as I, even as I speak these things, I can, hear, I can hear people out there saying, oh, come on now, pastor. You can't, you, you, you can't just speak things into existence. Only God can do those things. And, and exactly what God wants to happen, it's going to happen. God is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. But, but, uh, but everything that he wants is going to be done. You have no say so on it. And I'm going to tell you that, that there is a truth to that, but there's also not a truth to that. You say, what do I mean? Yes, God is sovereign. Amen. He is sovereign. He has, he has put forth things into action that we cannot change. He put, he put, he put, uh, he put the, the dispensation of the, of the law in place that it couldn't be changed. He put, into, he put it into place for redemption, for Jesus coming to this earth before he even created humanity. And it can't be changed. He, he, you cannot change, church. I don't care how much faith you have. You can't change that the tribulation is coming. You can't change that the rapture is coming. You can't change that the millennial reign is going to come. You can't change that Jesus himself is going to come back and set up his throne on this earth for a thousand years. You can't change it. You can't change that that the kingdom of heaven is going to come down and God himself, the father himself is going to place his throne here on this earth. You can't change these things. Right, God, God put these things into place. He put these chronos, these chronos events, these ages, these dispensations in place, and you can't change them. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the will of God for your life, for, for your will, for your choices, for the things that, for your personal will, you, God, God does not interfere with those things. You say, well, what do I mean by that? See, God poured out salvation for everyone. He poured out salvation, not, not just the people here in this church, not just the people at the Catholic church, not just the people at the, at the uh, Baptist church, not the people just for the people that are going to the, to the mosques or the synagogues. No, no, he poured out salvation for every single person that's here on this earth. But see, you're going to have to receive it. 
You're going to have to receive it. You're going to have to take a hold of that grace by faith. You're going to have to take a hold of what God has given you by faith and receive it. Amen. See, see, church, he's poured out healing. Healing has been poured out already upon all humanity. All humanity. It's not just for the special ones. It's not just for those Pentecostal ones. It's not just for the charismatic or the word of faith. No, 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 no. He poured out, he poured out healing for everybody. Everybody, every single person walking upon this earth has the ability to receive healing, to receive salvation. But you know what? You're going to have to grab a hold of it. You're going to have to grab a hold of it. See, he's, he's poured out already your provision for your, for your destiny in your life. It's already been done. See, you don't have to stress. You don't have to get, a, get all mad at people when, when things don't go your way. You don't have to beg God day after day after day for, for the provision. It's already been set out for you. But you're going to have to put yourself in the position to receive it. You're going to have to put yourself in the position to, to where you listen to the Holy Ghost and you're directed and you're guided and you move with the Spirit of God by the impulses of the Spirit and grab the things that he has for you. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to make the choice. He will not make the choice for you. He's already provided for you, but he's waiting for you to grab a hold of it. There's certain things, church, we're going to have to take ownership of that we're going to have to start walking. And I'm telling you, church, Isaac... Isaac, Abraham's son, he was already spoken into existence at this time. He was already spoken into existence, but see, Abraham had to do something about it. See, he says, I, I, through your son, through your son, through Isaac, I am going to make you the father of many nations. There's gonna, they're going to have so many people that are going to be coming through you. It's going to be like the stars in the sky. It's like the dust all over the ground. It's, it's through Isaac. I'm speaking these things into existence, but you've got something to do about it. You're going to have to do something about it. See, what, what, what if, I, what if uh, Abraham went back and said, well, the praise God, much like most of the church nowadays, oh, praise God, that's, that's amazing. I can't wait for my son to come in. Now I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to hang out and wait for these things to take, you know, take place. Praise God, glory to God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then you know what happened? We're like, oh, man, this didn't happen when, when I thought it was going to happen. Man, God, did you lie to me? <laughs> I mean, how do we get these things all switched around? Amen. No, no, God, God spoke these things into, into, into existence. We got to come into agreement with it and then bring it into fruition. You say, what do I mean by that? See, Abraham believed God. So what did he do? He didn't just go back and go and go hang out with the boys. You know what he did? He chased, he chased Sarah around that tent one more time. <laughs> he just chased Sarah around the tent one more time, church. He, did, he didn't go, he didn't go running from and say, well, it's going to happen. Everything's going to happen. Glory to God. No, you know what he did? A faith came upon him. His legs got happy. His voice started speaking and he started looking over at his wife and started running around the tent after why? Because there was something that had to take place before God could work in his life, before, before the fruition of God's word could take place. And what was it? He had to believe. And when he believed, there was an act. There was an act. There was a work. There was a work of faith that came, came about to, to possess the promise. That came and it possessed the promise. I'm telling you, church, these things are powerful. You say, well, well I don't know, Pastor. I've been doing these things for a long time, and these things just don't, just don't seem to be working. How long do I need to do these things? I'm telling you. I tell you what, Abraham did it for 25 years. Hmm? 25 years, he got a word for 25 years. He started looking over and saying, like, how you doing, sweetheart? How's everything going? 
How's everything going? For 25 years, he was pressing in. 25 years, he was believing God. 25 years, he didn't allow the circumstance, the failures, the things that stopped him. No, he kept on saying, oh, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. Amen. That, that these sorrows are coming into place. This dust is going to be coming into place because I believe you more so than the circumstance. I believe you more than anything that is coming into our life. You know, you know what does uh, Psalm 78, 41 say? It says, you, it says, yeah, you've turned back and you've tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. He says, yes, yeah, they've turned back and they tempted God. Talking about when they're, when they're in, the, in the wilderness, right? And he says, they, they turned back and they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, now in some of your translations, limited may, may come out and say, vexed. It may say grieved, it may say provoked, it may say brought to pain. Amen. But what is this speaking of? When we, when we limit the Holy One of Israel, when we limit the, the King of Kings, when we limit the Father himself, I'm telling you, it grieves them, it vexes them. Why? Because I'm telling you, when the Father is trying to pour out things upon humanity, he's trying to pour out things in your life, and you don't believe God, you put a limitation on them, and it vexes them. Amen. It grieves them. Amen. It brings a pain upon the father. Why? Because he can't be a father in our life. He's trying to do everything he can to pour out his goodness upon each and every one of us. But when we don't believe it, we limit him. And we limit him to being the good father in our lives. I'm telling you, church, don't limit God. I don't care what things look like. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Believe God. Believe God and allow those things to take place in your life, the things that he has promised you. I'm telling you, he's a good God. He's, wor he's worthy to believe. Amen. Let's go to 19 here. In verse 19, it says, And being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It says he was not weak in faith, church. We are not weak in faith. See, see, he, God has given us all the measure of faith. He's given us all the, the seed, the mustard seed of faith. We are not weak in faith. I'm telling you, church, you need to start saying, I'm not, I have weak faith. No, start saying, I have strong faith. I have strong faith. The Spirit of God, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. We have a, a strong faith by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of each and every one of us. I'm telling you, Abraham, he was strong in faith. He was strong in faith. He wasn't weak in those things, amen? It wasn't, now listen, it says, uh, it says here, it says here in verse 19, it says that he considered not his own body now dead. And he was about a hundred years old, neither, neither, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now he was strong in faith. I'm telling you, this man was strong in faith. See, it says he considered not. Let me read this out to Amplified. I think it sounds pretty good here. In, in verse 19, it says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter importance of his own body which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, uh, that, it, that Sarah's dead, deadened womb. Amen. Now listen, church, it says that now when people look at this verse, they say, well, we're supposed to not consider things. We're supposed to forget things. We're not supposed to pay attention to things. Well, I'm telling you, that's not what faith does. Amen. We're going to get back down to the foundational principles of faith here. Faith is just not, that doesn't pay attention to things that are going on around us. That's not what faith is. Amen. See, Abraham looked at his body. He considered it. He looked at it. He goes, you know what? 
I'm 75, I'm 100 years old. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be. You know what, Sarah over there, you know, she, she's about the same age and she, you know, she's been barren for most of her life. He, he looked at those things, he considered those things, but he didn't consider them to be more powerful than what God was able to do in his life. He didn't consider him more powerful than what God could do in his life. Church, we don't ignore the circumstances. You don't ignore the things that are going around. You, you can consider them, but we got to allow the word to trump them in our life. We got to allow the word to trump them in our life. See, too many of us think that we're walking in faith when we just ignore things. Ah, oh, you know what? You know, I got this, this skin-eating disease on my body, and I'm just going to ignore it because that's what faith is. Now, now, faith doesn't sit there and ignore it. You know, when people come say, what is that? What is that? Why is your fingers falling off from, what is that? Oh, my fingers aren't falling off. Everything's grand. You know, everything's perfect. That's not faith. That's ignorance. That's not faith. What does faith do? Faith looks at it and says, yep, I got that. It's dead in the name of Jesus. Because the word says by every stripe that Jesus took, I am healed. I don't care what the circumstance look like. I don't care what's trying to come. This is dead and I command it to get off my body in Jesus' name. That, that is faith speaking. Amen. That is faith speaking. As faith doesn't ignore things, faith looks at it, addresses it with the word of God, and then steps out in faith. And then it steps out and it, and it handles it. Amen. See, it's just, it's just like our provision. You know, we, you know we, we, many of us need provision for many different things in our life. I'm telling you, if you're going to go write a bill for, for, you know, your, for, to the electric company or for the, your mobile company or whatever, I'm telling you, you look in your bank account. Don't, you, you need to look in your bank account. Let me say that correctly. Look in your bank account. See if you have enough money before you write a check. Amen. Don't just write a check and say, well, you know, God's going to supply all my needs. Everything's grand. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the way things go. That's called being dishonest. Amen. That's dishonest. What do you do? You look and say, man, I don't have enough money to pay that. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are the supplier of all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I'm a sower. I'm a sower of the word. I'm a sower of finances. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I thank you, Lord, that, you, that you're going to pull these things through me. Every, you know, the, the, the enemy can't touch my, my seeds that have been planted in the ground. You rebuke the devourer for my sake. You've opened up the windows of heaven and you've poured out a blessing that I can't even contain. That that's faith stepping out. That's faith believing. That's, that's, that's allowing what you believe to exercise something in your life. Amen? A work of faith. It's a work of faith. But we don't be dishonest about things. No, we look at them, we address them, and then we allow the word to put them in their place, allow the word to change the direction of the things in our life. That, that's what faith is. That's what, that's what is believing God. Amen? See, this is... This is see, just thinking everything's just going to happen because we're a Christian. I'm telling you, this has produced a bunch of lazy Christians. I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need to hear the word. Man, everything's grand. I'm a Christian. I don't need to pray. I don't need to study the word of God. I don't need to give. I don't need to do this. I don't need that. Everything's grand. Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you what, we need, to, we need to look at ourselves, see that, man, I'm lazy. Why, why, why is God not opening up that door that he's told me 20 years ago that, 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 that he called me to do? Why has that door not been opened yet? Not because of him. Not because of everyone else around us. We need to start looking here, and many a times it's because we're too lazy. We're too lazy. We're too lazy to believe God. We're too lazy to study the word of God. We're too lazy to make corrections in our own life. Amen. And allow God to, to, to allow God to work through us. I'm telling you, church, we need to start looking here instead of out here or up here. Start looking at ourselves, evaluating it, and allow the word of God to work. See, Abraham didn't ignore the problem. 
He didn't ignore the problem. He said, man, I'm an old man. Lord, this is, this, is, this is kind of funny here. I'm old. I mean, Sarah's old, but praise God, I'm going to trust you. And what did he do? He chased Sarah around one more time. One more time. One more time around the tent. I mean, one more time around the tent, and then his son was, came into fruition after 25 years of believing God. After 25 years of believing God. I'm telling you, church, it doesn't matter how many times you've been unsuccessful. It makes no difference. What matters is what you believe. Amen? And these things will come to fruition in your life. It says that he staggered not. It says that he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It says he staggered not. Have you ever watched a drunk walk down the corridor? How they, how they run, they, they bounce off of this one, and then they walk over here, and they bounce off of this side of the corridor, then they bounce into this person, they bounce into that person as they're, as, they're, as they're stumbling, as they're staggering through what they're doing, church. This is not what we're called to do. We're not called to come into a circumstance and, and stagger. Oh, doubt, unbelief rises up because things get tough. So you bounce over here and you go to this other one. And guess what's going to happen when you get over here? You're going to run into another circumstance. You're going to run into another problem. You're going to run into the adversary again. And I'm telling you, if you back up because of faith, uh, because of doubt and start going over here and bounce under this wall, it's going to be another, another circumstance, another tribulation, another problem. I'm telling you, church, we need to come to that place where we don't stagger. When we run into a circumstance, we run into a problem. We stand boldly in faith boldly in what the word of God says and allow the word to change the circumstance in our life. Not backing up from them. And we, we as Christians need to stop backing up from our problems and start walking, start running to our problems, not, not backing up from why? Because we have all of the kingdom of heaven backing us up. Church, we are, the kingdom of heaven is on the in, inside of each and every one of us and we need to allow these things to be released in our life. We can't, we can't stagger anymore. We, we need to quit backing up against circumstances and start defeating them. I mean, we, we're in a situation right now where we got some, some virus that's floating around the world and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's changing everything about our lifestyle and the Christians are in just as much as fear as the world is. Just as much fear as the world is. When are we going to address the circumstance? Begin to stand firm in the word of God. Begin to, begin to start confessing yeah, yeah, uh, the, the destruction of this virus. Begin healing in our land. When are we going to stand up in the gap? We are, we are the watchmen on the wall. How many, how many of y'all know that? You know, we, like we talked about last week, we are the ones that should be making change in our towns. We should be making changes in our city. But most of us are, 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 too, are too, too passive. To stand up for the word of God. Oh man, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? I'm telling you, what is God going to say? Because I'm telling you, God's, God is, is, he's, he has us. He's, he desires to use us. He put this message in us. Amen? We are the ecclesia. We are the ones that are supposed to, we are the called out ones to, to rule in cities. And I'm not talking about in politics, I'm talking about in the spiritual sense. We are called to rule in these areas. Keep, keep darkness at our feet. I'm telling you, just like I said last Wednesday, how do, how, do our, how do our towns look? I'm telling you, that's a reflection on the church. That's a reflection on the church, it's not a reflection on God. That's, that's a reflection on the church. Amen, why? Because, because the adversary is not, is, not, is not more powerful than you. Greater is he. Oh, come on, church. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why in the world are you, are you in fear of some stinking devil? 
some virus, some disease, some demon that tried. Why in the world would you be in fear of these things when you have the greater one, the one that created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells within? The one that created Satan himself dwells on the inside of you. I'm telling you, church. When are we going to come to the realization of who we are and who God made us to be? Amen. We are that ecclesia. We are the ecclesia. Glory to God. Glory to God. I tell you what, guys. Until we can get delivered, until we can deliver ourselves of the praises of man, I believe it is. I'm telling you, we're going to have a hard time standing up for the things of God. Amen. Until we, until we start seeking the praises of Jesus, until we start seeking the, the praises of the Father, until we start seeking his praises and his praises alone and start, and start laying down what everyone else thinks and all the praises and all what, what the community is going to say about us, what our parents are going to say about us, what our, what our, what our wife or our husband or our children, what, what they're going to say about us. I'm telling you, if we can't get past those things, whenever God asks you to stand up to do something that is going to be contrary to the way the people around you want to do something, I'm telling you, you're going to get paralyzed. It's going to paralyze you. It's going to paralyze you with fear. It's going to paralyze you. What are these people going to say? It's going to paralyze you. It's going to paralyze you. We need, we need, we need to be seeking out for his, his praises, his, his glory, his honor, and let those things rest upon us. I mean, we need to be God pleasers. I mean, not, not men pleasers. I mean, thank God that, we can, that people can be happy with the things they do, but I'm telling you, I've, been, I've, I've become a professional about irritating people. Amen. And it's, and it's just, and it's uh, something that I used to look forward to doing back, in, back when I was young in the things of God. But I'm telling you, it's not something I look forward to nowadays because I don't want to see, I don't want to see people driven off, you know, but I'm, but I'm telling you, we, we cannot seek to please men. We got to seek to please God with everything that we have. I mean, this is, this is the only place you're, where you'll find rest in him. Amen. This, this is the rest God's trying to get us into, but we can't do it with our eyes sitting there receiving all the looks from everyone else. We've got we to be looking for the gaze from the, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In verse 22, he says, And therefore it was imputed unto him as righteousness. It was credited unto him as righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for all of us who it shall be accredited to, who it shall be imputed, that we, be, that we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Amen. Everything that was written here about, about uh, Abraham here, guys, is, it wasn't just for him. Amen. It, 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 was, it was written for him so that each and every one of us can see, man, this is how you live a lifestyle of faith. It doesn't matter how perfect you are. It doesn't matter if you've made a mistake or not, or if you failed or not. No, no, no. It matters about what you believe, what you're believing God for, standing in faith. I'm telling you, each and every one of us in here, we, we have a book that's being written upon us right now. So you, you may not be you're writing your own biography yourself. I'm telling you, the world is writing a biography. They're paying attention. I mean, they're paying attention to the things you're doing. They're paying attention. I'm telling you, you got little ones, you got children. Maybe you got children on the way. Maybe you got neighbors. Maybe you got friends and family. Maybe you got coworkers at work. I, I don't know who it may be, but I'm telling you, they're writing a book. They're paying attention about you. They're, they're seeing what you believe, seeing how you react, seeing how you respond to things. I'm telling you, if we operate in faith, I'm saying these things are not just written for us. Your life story is not just written for us. It's, it's written for these people around you. It's written for the generations that come. For the generations to come of the things that we believed, amen, and these things have come into fruition in our lives. I'm telling you guys, we don't have to be perfect. 
All you got to do is believe God. You don't have to be perfect. Just believe God. He makes it that simple. Amen. Now, how are we doing here at time? Ah, not too bad here, I say anyhow. Let's go to, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to pick up, oh, well, oh, I should have looked at my, the word there. I'm going to, um, I'm going to pick up here where, where uh, Brother John left off a couple weeks ago and, uh, and this story of David and Goliath here. And I, I may be here for a couple weeks. I'm not, I'm not for sure, but, but we'll see which way the direction the Lord wants to lead us today. Amen. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to the, to the background of it. I'm going to kind of start right here in the meat of it and see, see, see what the Lord has for us here. So let's start in, start in verse 23. It says, and he talked with them. And he talked with them. And behold, it says, there came the champion, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. And out of the armies of Philistine, he spoke according the same words, and David heard him. You say, well, what were, what were these words? Well, for 40 days, amen, 40 days you had this giant come out, and he was taunting Israel. He was taunting him. And if you go over here to verse 8 and 9, you'll see it says, And he stood and he cried. He cried to them. This is talking about Goliath here. He stood and he cried to them unto the armies of Israel. And he said to them, Why have you come out to me into battle in this array? He goes, Am I not a Philistine? And you're not the servants of Saul. He goes, choose you a man and let him come down unto me. And if he be able to fight and kill me, then, then we'll be your servants. But if I kill him, then, then you guys, you're going to be our servants. And then he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. I defy the armies of Israel this day. He says, give me a man that will fight together, that we may fight together. For 40 days, for 40 nights, for 40 days, this was going forth. This giant was coming out and he was taunting. Now, now we know David, he arrives on the scene, right? And, and he heard this. He heard, he heard this giant, you know, criticizing, ridiculing, you know, taunting the, these men over here. And he, and he began to speak back to him. And he said in verse 24, he said, and all, and all the men of Israel, he said, and all of the men of Israel, when they, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Have you seen this man that has come up? He goes, surely to defy Israel as he's come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the man who kills him, the king will enrich him and, and, uh, with, with great riches and will give him the daughter and make the father's house free of Israel. So he's saying, he's saying that the, for the man that defeats this guy, riches are going to be poured out upon him, that the princess is going to be poured out upon him. He'll be a prince of the nation and you're going to be tax free. Amen. You're going to be tax free from all this wealth you have. It's going to be, it's you're, you'll have a, you're, he's going to set you up for a great victory, right? He's going to set you up for a great victory. And verse 27. Oh, let me back up to verse 26. And it says, and David spoke to the men that stood by him. And he said, he goes, what's going to be done to this man? What's going to be done to this man that kills a Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For, for who is the son of an uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. You know, you know faith is, is, is rising up in David here. And he's like, he's like who, who's going who's gonna, to, what did what, 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 you say is going to be done to this man? He's going to get what? He's, he's going to be wealthy? He's, he's going to get the princess? He's going to be tax free? And he's going around and he's talking to all these people here. And, 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 uh, and the people answered him. And they, they said the same manner. Yes. 
yes, you're going to be wealthy. Yes, you'll get the, king, the king's daughter. And yes, you'll be tax free. It shall be done for any man that, that kills this one. And then, and then Eliab, David's oldest brother. Eliab, he, he pokes up and he, and he spoke unto him. He said, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, what camest you down here, David? He goes, whom, whom have you left those few little sheep out in the wilderness with? He goes, I know your pride, your naughtiness of your heart, for, for you have come down that you might see a battle. You know, I'm telling you, this is, this, this is what happens when faith begins to speak. When, when faith and, 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 the, and the confidence in the things of God begins to come up on the inside of you, you're going to have the ones that aren't in faith, the ones that are in fear, you're going to come down, they're going to try to start attacking the things that are coming out of your mouth. He starts to ridicule them. He didn't say, hey, come on, little brother, what are you doing out here? No, he said, he said hey, little David, where are all those little sheep? that you left down the field. Aren't you, you're not, you're not a warrior. You're, you're a little sheep tender. Amen. Why, what did you do with the sheep before you came out here trying to embarrass them in front of everybody? Amen. What are you doing out here? What are you doing out here? Why? Because he had fear. He had a fear in there and he was going to try to destroy the faith that was in David. Why? Because remember these two are the antithesis. You can have faith, you can have doubt. The two don't go hand in hand together. And what was, and what was Eliab doing? He was trying to pull David back down to his, his position. Amen. See, See, this is the problem with many of us, amen? When we, when we see someone in faith, we see someone operating in faith, we don't do what we can to get ourselves up to that position where they're operating in and what they're doing. You know what we try to do? We try to grab them by the feet and pull them back down where we are in doubt and unbelief and say, no, no, you can't believe for healing. No, you can't believe to have a successful ministry. No, you can't believe to be a business owner. No, you can't believe to have a promotion. No, you can't believe this. You can't believe that you can hear from God. I'm going to pull you right back down here to where I am because it's not fair that you're believing these things. It's not fair that these things are happening in your, in, in your stead instead of mine. See, see, Eliab knew he was already anointed king. I mean, he, he knew it. He already watched it. He, not, he, watched, he watched the prophet Samuel come to him and anoint this man with oil. He was the next king of Israel. He knew this. He knew the authority. He knew the power. He knew the boldness. He knew the power of the Holy Ghost came upon him at that time. He knew it. He knew and he said, huh? oh man, I, he's, you know, my little brother's making us look bad. I mean, you, you can't be doing those things, David. You can't, I'm, I'm going to try to pull you back down to where I am. Amen. Not, not David, help me get up there with you. Maybe I'll give you a hand and we'll go defeat this thing together. No, no, no. He said, David, you got to come down here. You're, you're nothing but a, but a petty sheep herder. You're not a real king. You're not a warrior. You know, who you think you are? Who you think you are? I'm telling you, church, many times even our own families will do this to us. The ones you hold nearest and dearest. Yeah, it happened to Jesus. It happened to Jesus in Mark 3, verse 21. It says, and when, and when his family or when his friends and his, or his family members heard of it, he goes, they went out to lay hold of him because they said that he was beside himself. You know, see, see Jesus, he was out, you know, performing miracles. And then he was sitting down, had a nice congregation around him. He was teaching the word of God. And his, and his family said, who in the world does he think he is? <laughs> I don't know who that, I know who he is. Who does he think he is performing a miracle? Who, who, is he, who do you think you are teaching to all these people? Who are you? Who are you? And then what happens? They, they come to say, we're going we're to we're come get him out of this place. 
We're going to come get him out of here because he, you know, he, he shouldn't be doing those things. He needs to be in doubt and unbelief like we are, not, not doing those things, not, not following the will of God for his life. So what we do, hey, hey, Jesus, hey, hey, can y'all go up there and tell Jesus, you know, his mother and his brothers are out here waiting for him. And Jesus says, who? My mother and my brother. Who are my mother and my brethren? My, my mother and my brethren, they're the ones that hear the word of God and they're the ones that do it. They're not the ones that are standing in unbelief. They're not the ones that are trying to pull me down for what God's calling me to do. They're the ones standing in belief, standing in faith, encouraging, amen. I'm telling you, Jesus' own family came against him. His own family came against him. Don't, so don't find it surprising, amen, when you, when you grab a hold and you're starting to believe God because God, God planted something on the inside of you and you start getting strong and you, and you start praying. You know that you know that you know that it's right and you start believing God, confessing the things of God. Don't, don't get surprised when, when your best friends say, who you think you are? You know? like, what gives you the right to do that? What gives you the right to do that? You're just a new Christian. What gives you the right to go pray for the sick? What gives you the right to do that? I'll tell you, I tell you, anytime you get a word from God, anytime you can get a word from the Logos word or a rhema word spoken to your heart, I'm telling you, that gives you the right. That gives you the right. I don't care who's trying to pull you down out of faith. I don't care who's trying to stop you in what you're doing. I'm telling you, the word, Jesus himself, is the one that gives us that right. In verse 29, it says, and David said to him, he said, now what, what have I done? He goes, is there not a cause? It's like, it's like, come on, big brother, what, what have I done here? Is, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for someone to dethrone that, that mountain of a giant that's speaking evil against the kingdom? Is there, is, there not, is there not a cause for someone to stand up? Is there not a cause? Because I'm telling you, church, if you don't stand up, if you don't step out, God will never show out. Let me say that again. If you don't step up, God will not be able to show out. God will not be able to perform in your life if you don't step up. I'm telling you, you got COVID all around you. Are you, are you scared to get COVID or do, you, or do you believe what the Word of God says that a believer will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that they will be healed? What do you believe? You see, if you, if you don't step out, God can't show out. He can't use you if, you are, if you're not willing to step out for the kingdom. He can't use you. It's not that he doesn't want to use you. He can't because you're not willing to do it. Amen. Are you, are you willing to step out for, to, to start that job? Are you willing to step out for your destiny? I'm telling you, we, we all have amazing destinies. Every single person in the kingdom of God has an amazing destiny set up, already laid out for you. But I'm telling you, if you don't have enough faith, if you don't have enough trust in the things of God to step out and do it, I'm telling you, it will never come to fruition. God's not going to force these things into, into, to happen. He can't force them. You're going to have to stand up for it. You're going to have to step up for it. You're going to have to step out in faith so God can show out through you. Amen. So God can show out through you. See, he's desiring to you. He uses humanity. He uses the church. He uses the redeemed. And he's just waiting for one person to actually believe what the word of God says and step out. All you got to do is believe. I'm not saying you got to go heal someone. I'm not saying you got to do something. I'm not saying you got to, got to come up with all the finances to, for, for, your, for your career or for your destiny. I'm not saying you got to do that. I'm saying all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. I'll do it through you. All you got to do is believe. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I'm telling you, there's a cause, church. In verse 30, he says, and he turned from... And he turned from him toward another, and he spake the same manner 
And the people answered him after the same foreigner saying, yep, yep, David, you're, this is exactly what it is. What was David doing? He was building up his faith here. And then when, and then when, the, when the words were heard of David, what David spoke, they rehearsed him before Saul. <laughs> and he went forth. I mean, you can imagine this young man walking about, you know, a handsome man, you know, kind of fiery, you know, good big smile on his face. Why? Because the glory of God's on him. And, and, he, and you know, he's talking, he's like, man, I'm, I think I can handle these things. You know, this is what we get for I, I think I can handle these things. And what happened, they're like, all the, all the military goes for it. They say, you know what? There's a little shepherd boy out here. There's a little shepherd boy out here. And I tell you what, there's something about that young man. There's something about him. You, Saul, you might want to listen to him because there's something about him. I think he can defeat this guy. I think he can defeat this guy. And when he turned... What verse am I on here? And verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go forth and fight with this Philistine. Let, he goes, you guys, pick up your heart. Don't, don't, people don't get in fear. Don't be, don't be a die. He goes, hey, boss, I'll take care of it. Boss, I'll, I'll, hand, I'll, handle, I'll handle the big boy. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take care of him. I'll, I'll step out. I'll, I, just choose me. Choose me and God will work through me. All you got to do, all you got to do is choose me. I'm right here. I know I may be little. I, may, I know I may be just a handsome boy, but I'm t- all you got to do is choose me. Choose me. Choose me. Because I, I promise you, God will work through me. And then Saul said to David, yeah. You're not, you're not able to do this. You're not able to go up against this Philistine. For you're just a youth, and this guy's been a, a warrior since his youth. What happens? When faith starts to begin to speak up, even, even the king came and said, Now, son, son, you, you can't do this. You're just, a, you're just a wee boy. You can't do this. You can't do this. But see, David never allowed circumstance. He never allowed age. He never allowed what people said about him to pull him down to their level. He, he always got the last word. He spoke back and said, and David said, hey, your servant has kept his father's sheep. I look like a shepherd. I've kept, the, I've kept my father's sheep. And there, and there came a lion. There's a bear. And they took the lamb from it. And he goes, and I went out and I took him. I smote him and I d- delivered him out of their mouth. And when he arose, rose up against me, I caught him by the beard and I slew him. I killed him. He goes, your, your servant, David, I, I've killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised demon, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be the same as one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Seeing he has come against the armies of the living God. He goes, I promise you, God will operate through me. And David and David said, uh, and David said, moreover, and the Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and, and, uh, and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And he said, go. I'm telling you, we see when, when faith, it doesn't matter how young you are, how little you are, when, when faith begins to speak, there's just something about there's just something about someone who believes God. There's just something about someone who believes the word. There's just something about the people that will step out. I'm telling you, you can change any circumstance around you if you will not back up from the conflict, back up from the situation, but you begin to believe, trust God so much that you change the atmosphere around you. Not allowing the atmosphere to change you, but what you believe, amen, will begin to change the atmosphere around you. 
And he said, try on this, try on this armor here. You take, you know, you can use the king's armor because I know you just got your sheep stuff there, your, your herder, your sheep herding stuff there. He goes, so here, have, have all my stuff. You can do it. And, and obviously he said, no, I can't prove, I haven't proved these things. I don't know if I can be successful. In them. But, but, but he went down and, and he went down and took his staff in his hand, his, his shepherd herding staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag. And when, and when he had had even a script and a sling in his hand, and he drew near unto the Philistine. And then we know the Philistine began to speak to him. David spoke back because David always gets the last word. And then we know he smote him. He killed him. Amen. But the point I think I'm, I think I'm going I'm to come to today here is back in verse 40 there. It says that he grabbed five smooth stones. Amen. Five smooth stones he pulled out. He grabbed up five smooth stones. And there's, there's many different theories on why he grabbed these five smooth stones. And, and I've preached every one of them. I mean, it kind of just depends on what direction we're going. You know, you can use each and every one of them because they all fit because they're all a reality, right? It doesn't matter if, if it's, you know, Goliath had four other brothers because he did. Amen. It doesn't matter if he thought that the Philistines were going to come up and attack him after he defeated Goliath. You know, it, none, none of these things matter. But the main thing I want to get a point, uh, a point across to today is that he did this because he wanted to be prepared. He grabbed five smooth stones because he wanted to be prepared. He wanted to be prepared. You see, he was going to do everything he could do in the natural so God could do everything he could do in the supernatural. I mean, see, church, sometimes when we, when we begin to step out with faith, when we get into to go against the circumstance, we need to know, do everything we need to do, everything we know to do in the natural so we can open up that door to where God can do everything he can do through the supernatural. I mean, so we can't, we can't, we can't, allow, we can't push the supernatural. We can't, we can't move God by the things that, that we're doing. Amen. That, that doesn't move God. God, God will perform. He will move through the supernatural, but, but we do have things on this side, on the, on the natural side that we need to, to get in place and get moving in the, in the, in the right direction. Amen. Now, now I want to propose this to you. I want to propose this theory to you. I heard this from a, uh, years back from, uh, from a, from a, uh, a, a teacher actually from Ireland church there. His name was Danny Hill. And uh, I, it's, it's always stuck with me because I, I believe it was powerful, you know. Now listen, when, when, when David, he, now he, he was a, a sheep herder, so what, so what did he do? He was, out, he was out in the wilderness all the days of his life, was he not? Why don't you come on up here, Leah, if you, if you don't mind here for a minute. I think I'm going to close up with this. He was, a, he, he was a sheep herder. He was going out through the, he was out in the wilderness. He was, he was in the rivers. He was taking care of sheep. All, he was out in the middle of nowhere, right? And things were coming against him and everything that he was doing. But he had, he had to be a protector. He was, he was going to be prepared in everything that he did. So, so I would venture to say that David, being a man that, is, that understood the wilderness, he understood how things were in operation. He went down to that creek. He found five smooth stones because he knew the five smooth stones, they, they're going to go through the air quicker. They're going to get, you know, it, he can probably have better aim with them, right? But then he grabbed five. Why? Because five was a good number. Amen. Why is that? I don't, I don't know. It could have been because of the giants, uh, the, the brothers. It could have been because of the Philistines. But I'm telling you, it's what he had proved in the wilderness. See, he, every time he went to the creek, I guarantee he always made sure he had five. Five stones in that pocket. Five stones in that pouch. You say, well, why is that? Why? Because he, he wanted to be prepared. 
Amen. See, when you're out in the wilderness and, you know, and the bear comes against you and, you know, the lion or the leopard or, or the people come try to rob and steal what you have. You know, many times, I don't know if any of y'all have been hunting, but see, but see, most animals don't just run towards the bullet. They don't run towards the thing to get killed. Amen. They run from it. Amen. They try, they try to maneuver and try to go different directions and try to get you off course to try to get you to give up. Amen. And David, David knew these things. He goes, you know, you know, I know, I know what my job is. I know it is to defend these sheep. It's to, it's to protect these sheep. And, and I'm going to take five because, because if I miss with one, I got another one in my pocket. If I miss with two, I, I got another one in my pocket. If I miss with three, I got, I got another one in my pocket. I'm telling you, church, if I, if I miss with four, I got another one in my pocket. If I miss, if I miss, I can go back down to the creek and I can gather up five more because I'm going to keep on coming. I'm going to keep on coming and I'm going to keep on coming. Church, I'm, I'm telling you, see, I believe there's many of us out here today. There's many of us here that are viewing us on, on live stream right now. I'm telling you, you, you know, you, you, you sat there, you took the sling, you took the rock and you took, you, you took your best shot you could, but you didn't, you didn't kill that giant. You didn't kill the circumstances that was in your life. And you gave it all you had, all you had, you gave it everything you had, but you failed. I'm telling you, there's no such thing as failure. There's no such thing as failure unless you, unless you quit. So I'm here today. If you didn't hear anything else that I've talked today, I'm, just, I'm here today to tell you, grab one more stone. I'm telling you, you, you don't know, Pastor, how big that giant is. You don't know how big and embarrassing that failure is. I'm telling you to slide your hand in that pocket and grab one more stone. Just grab one more stone. Take that, take that sling. Start slinging around your, around your head. And I'm telling you, launch that stone at that giant. You say, well, what if I miss again? Who cares? Who cares? Reach your hand in the pocket and grab another one. Well, what if I miss with that one? I'm telling you, reach your hand in that pocket and grab another one. And then grab another one and grab another one. I don't care if it takes you 25 years of throwing stones. I'm telling you, keep reaching your hand in your pocket because success is coming your way. The victory's coming. The victory's coming. But you got, you, there's a key here. You got to keep grabbing for the stone. You can't stop. You can't, you, can't, you can't stop. You can't move away from the church. You can't move away from the family. You can't, you can't give up on the job. You can't give up on your dream. You can't give up on your destiny. You got to get one more stone and make one more go at it. Because I'm telling you, victory is on the way. Victory is on the way. I'm telling you, there's many families out there. There's many marriages out there that, that are on the brink of divorce. They're not at, with all the different craziness going on. I'm telling you, like, Pastor, I, I, I don't know if I can stay here anymore. I don't know if I can do this. You don't know the abuse that is going on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get on your knees. Take one more stone. Just get down on your knees. Begin to pray. Begin to seek God. Begin to, begin to believe that the things that he has said in his word. I'm telling you, they will come to pass. But you're going to have to take one more stone. I just can't kick this addiction when I can't go around and be around people. I'm telling you, grab one more stone. Listen to one more podcast. Confess one more time. See, it's not, it's not the confessing, confessing of things a hundred times that are going to get God to move on your behalf, but it's believing God and then just confessing one more time. Well, I'm telling you, God will be able to open, it'll open the door for God to move on your behalf. I'm telling you, church, just grab one more stone. All we gotta do is just grab one more stone. With ministries and businesses failing, not just here in Ireland, but I'm telling you all over the world. Is this it? 
Is this it? Is this, is, this where, is this where God has called me to be? Is this, this is the day and age that God's called me to be in so I can be a failure, so, so my family can make fun of me, so the bank can, can write letters to me every day? I'm telling you, church, just grab one more stone. All we gotta do is just grab one more stone. Just believe God. Believe God, because I'm telling you, there's an endless supply of stones. And many times it may take some time, I'm telling you, you keep on pressing in, you keep on pressing in, you keep on seeking his face, you keep on, you keep on speaking the word of God, you keep on doing all you know to do in the natural. I'm telling you, those doors of the supernatural will be opened. They will be opened. They will be opened. Because victory's here. Victory's here, but it it needs us. (laughs) It needs us to pave the way for it. It needs us to believe God for it. Mm-hmm. Church, we, we can't be the ones that give up. I'm telling you, we, we have the world that's relying on us. There is a world out there that's, that's relying on you. They're relying on you to get back up. They're relying on you to fight. They're relying on you to push back darkness. They're relying on you to open up the door to allow the living God to move on this earth to see if there is a real God. They're relying on you and me. It's you and me. We we have something to do about it. We can't give up. So I tell you, church, get back to your feet. Get back to your feet. Allow the, the joy of the Lord to be your strength once again. Just grab one more stone. Listen, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. God never said you, you had to be perfect and you couldn't make any mistakes. He just said, keep believing. And it'd be counted as a righteousness. Just keep believing, church. So I want to pray for you today. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the for the boldness that you've placed in your body, in your church. Father, I thank you for a boldness now to come upon the ones that are that are that are struggling with things that are going on right now. They're struggling with fear, they're struggling with defeat, they're struggling with with uh, with failures in their life. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for a boldness for them to come on. Grab one more stone. Get down on their knees one more time. Listen to that one more podcast. Get around their brothers and sisters. Continue to confess the word of God. Continue to believe that God, you are a God that can do anything when we line up with you. So Father, we stand in the gap right now. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap against this COVID-19. We take authority. We are the ecclesia in this city. We are the ecclesia in each and, each and every town that, that we come from, that we travel to, to come be a part of the church. We are the ecclesia. We are, we are the ones called out to be the ruling body. So we rebuke you, you foul, demonic spirit from hell. 
We command you to cease and desist. We say that you will not affect us. You will not affect our families. You will not come against our households. We stand in authority against you. The curse has no power. The curse has no power over us. We thank you that we are protected. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that even, that we'll even be a witness to those that may be struggling with this virus right now, for we know that it's real. Lord, that we'll be a witness that, that we can, that why don't those people ever get it? What, what is it, Lord? We thank you for a door of opportunity to open or we can speak why, why these things don't come against us, why we can get delivered, why we as the body of Christ can walk in divine healing, why we can rebuke things and they go. Lord, give us opportunities to lay hands on the sick or bring people in amongst our paths, bring, bring them right, right in front of our faces, Lord. Lord, and give us the boldness to speak. The boldness to release deliverance. The boldness to, to open that door to allow the kingdom of God to flow not just into us, but through us. To each and every person we come into contact with, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a pouch big enough to carry five stones. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you for your redemption. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Mm. May we be that example until you're dying in a hurting world. How we glorify you, Father. And as the tradition is in this house, We stand on Psalms 91 that says that no evil will befall us. There's no plague from hell that will come near our dwelling place. Father, for you, you even release your angels to have charge over us. Lord, we we take a hold of that by faith. We, We grab a hold of it. We believe it, Lord. That is why we speak it week in and week out. Lord, we're drawn into the secret place of the Most High. Lord, we come to you one more time, bowing our knees unto a holy God, thanking you that you wrap your arms around us in in protection, thanking you that we are your sons and your daughters, thanking you, Lord, that you've made us victorious, thanking you that we're more than conquerors in Christ, thanking you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we glorify you, Lord. We thank you that no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall shall harm us, hinder us, come against us, slow us down. And when it does, Lord, I thank you for our leading to speak into those circumstances. Stop. We won't be staggering back and forth any longer. Lord, we'll stand up as the warriors you've called us to be. Speaking forth your word with power and authority watching circumstances change all around us. Thank you, Lord, for for calling us to be your church, your ecclesia. We thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood, Lord. We're, We're empowered by your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we are anointed by your precious spirit. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it.
Thank mm-hmm. you.